0: Ah man, raw, raw raw fucking audio here.
1: (laughs) Full bore. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. This is David Thacker, your host. Today's uh, guest is going to be Zach Russell from Emmeline. We get into the subject of uh, what to do, things to consider when creating a uh, cocktail menu. In that, there's also a little treat where... You get to hear what happens whenever bartenders hang out late at night. That's it. Please make sure to check out the website, openbar.space, also on Facebook and Instagram, the Open Bar Experience, for new episodes and uh, information on the show. So let's get to it. What we're talking about today is uh, menu uh, creation. So, how is it that you go about and change your menu, whether it's uh, once a year? uh four times a year for uh every season or um just uh consulting or your very first one, so we've come up with pretty much four really broad and basic um uh principles or uh, things to look at uh whenever creating that menu and so um yeah Zach, yes, given that you really don't know much about what you're talking about
0: absolutely. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, I chose to be on this podcast, so I have very poor taste in almost everything.
1: All right, that I'm cutting out. <laughs> that's not making. <laughs>
0: that's
1: not making it to the final cut. Uh, no, but you've uh, you've been part of multiple menus. This is true. Um, at, even made a few. Even made a few. Uh, Prohibition and at uh, now Amelie. Yep. And some of your cocktails are pretty fucking good. I not mean, terrible. I don't know how that happens, given your palate, mm-hmm. but it does happen.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. No, you uh
1: Port of London is one of my favorites by the way. Yeah, well. Again and 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 tell us what's in that one again. It's been
0: described as not terrible uh on numerous occasions. Um Port of London. Dear god, what is in that? PX, Pims,
1: lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh you bumped it up with uh, regular gin a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a London dry style. Yeah. Uh turbinado, turbo and uh, topped off with uh Ginger beer, ginger beer. Yes,
1: sir. that's a good one. Yeah, a really good, one. Not and bad. it's very uh, uh, much uh,
0: on the fall side of things because of that PX. Yeah, it's kind of like splitting the difference. It's it's almost like a like a Houston fall. It's kind of a nod to a to a uh, a London. I mean, London. Fuck to a uh, a James summer highball. You know, Pimm's cup. Very very much of a, a summer thing, but then with a with a Pedro Jimenez and the um, the Turbinado kind of shifts it into more of like a fall gear, so it's it's kind of representative of of a Houston fall, just in general. We 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 don't really have seasons, we just have transitions.
1: That's actually a really great way to describe it because it has all the fall um, flavors, I think, with that PX. But then um, it's not a boozy ass fall cocktail like you would expect from from fall. Oh, certainly. It's still in slightly refreshing because of the ginger beer. Um, so you long drink, um, that's a uh, slightly, uh, effervescent. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that. Um, by the way, what are we drinking?
0: Glenfiddich from the, uh, the host private reserve.
1: Yeah. Uh, Glenfiddich 19. Definitely one of my favorite spirits overall. It is damn delicious. Mm hmm. Um, so that said, um, <laughs> sponsored by Glenfiddich. <laughs> sponsored by Glenfiddich. It's not. <laughs> but given that that's what we're drinking uh and the um Old Rasputin Imperial Stout. Let
0: me give a sip of that. Yeah, <sighs> that is so good
1: good shit, man. And then um yes it is. It is. It's, a, it's probably not the best pairing, but it is a nice pairing.
0: uh
1: mm. Uh-huh. So I
0: mean we had goat earlier. So Thinking back to that
1: yeah that is that was good Hey merchant delicious that was fucking delicious that pretzel was fucking really good too sponsored by hey merchant no no it's not <laughs> <laughs> just just spreading the love that's yeah. it um so all right so one of the first uh not first but one of the things in the uh into account whenever creating a uh, cocktail menu is um i put the timeline on, on this uh list but basically is uh when are you gonna Um, put out the menu so you gotta have a date uh, a goal you're gonna give yourself a certain amount of time to actually not just create the menu because sometimes you may have already some ideas from the previous menu that you worked on or the menu from the year ago or two years ago that you didn't get to to do because of whatever reason the concept didn't fit it or the cost wasn't right or whatever other reason but then But just So you have to give yourself that amount of time. If you know that you can do a whole cocktail menu in two weeks, then that's what you're going to do. If you're going to do it in six weeks or eight weeks, then you have to consider that. You have to give yourself that time.
0: Well, part of the timeline also is just, if you are doing a a central theme of a seasonal cocktail menu, then you you should probably leave yourself, number one, enough time. And we're going to get into this later as far as point by point. But enough time to... Fully hash out the menu vis-a-vis costs, possibly deals with reps, um, a broad census on whether or not it's appropriate for the season and or the establishment, but also, uh, two, uh, promotion. Making sure that everyone knows that you're actually changing your menu and uh, trying to drive progress as far as releasing it and, and getting... Fairly large fanfare,
1: yeah. Uh, that's something that I probably haven't been the best at. Me neither. Because the sometimes the the volume sort of dictates that in in the sense that if people are already coming through and they're watching how you do things and how you're changing things around, then they're already there. You already have your audience. Now the way to grow your audience is to promote it and let other people know that this is what you're doing and get them excited about it but um yeah the 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 process of getting the menu started is uh based on a few things and one of them is whatever your creative process is um whatever amount of time you have uh, to get this done based on multiple things like you mentioned reps um, who is making the decision, whether it's just you or whether multiple people multiple people involved an owner, um, for instance. <laughs> owners always have opinions. Um, and then uh, you know whatever that process is, you have to take it into account and then you have to give yourself enough time to go through it and release it at a time that uh, makes sense. The other thing is whether what are you making? Are you making a fall cocktail? Are you making a spring cocktail? Are you making a summer cocktail? And for the most part, like, there isn't really a winter cocktail for me other than a hot drinks um, menu. I disagree. Okay. Um, and and uh, we'll get into that in a second. But, it's basi- <laughs> well, basically because of the, the seasons that we have in Houston is really re- the, re- the reason I think of that. I mean, if I was really truly in a place that got cold weather, like it dropped to 30 degrees and it stayed at 30 degrees for, you know, several months... Then yeah, I, I would think of that, but I mean, we, we truly have about ten days of really truly cold weather, where it's between thirty and forty degrees, give or take whatever. You know, might drop to twenty five for one day or twelve hours. Okay, and then you know it'll it'll get up to you know fifty five on, on on the warm days whenever it's cold, but for the most part that's all we're dealing with. And so for me, I, it uh, it's a supplemental uh, menu, uh, the hot drinks menu.
0: So what the way I disagree um, is that I, as for winter cocktails, I think what we can actually feed into in Houston, what we can take advantage of, is cold, creamier drinks. Creamier drinks are a excellent category that really doesn't get much representation outside, or at least on a broad view, outside of winter drinks. So let's say Coquito. Okay. Coquito is definitely a winter drink. It's going to be served cold. But it is on the creamier side. Same thing with eggnog. Eggnog, when done well, is fantastic and definitely for me, deserves a place, if it fits a the theme, on a winter cocktail menu. There are tons of stuff like that. There's um, Irish coffee? I well, yeah, if you're uh, depending on how you make it, but absolutely. but that's also part of the, the hot drinks category. But if you're just talking about cold and creamy, there's also like Advocat. Uh, Dutch eggnog, you have, um, what is that, Rompopop? Rompopé. Rompopé, yes. Um, And and there's there's honestly tons of representation throughout the world of creamy egg or dairy-based winter cocktails that could be utilized, you know, during a winter menu. I feel like there is a place for drinks, there's a place for things other than hot drinks on a winter cocktail menu. And my my submission for that would be creamy drinks. And gotcha. I feel like they should both have weight.
1: Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So then, but for the Obviously, most part... it needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, the, so then, you know, you, you do have your fall, your winter, your spring, and your summer menus. Um, for me here in Houston, uh, I have a fall, spring, and summer menu. And that's it. Because, like I said, we don't get that many cold days here.
0: Now, I must say, out of all, all four of them, I feel like fall is probably the, the toughest nut to crack. Going from seventy, to, the, the period between a 75-degree day and a 55-degree day, which in, for Houstonians is probably winter for, for, for most people, <laughs> is, is a period of about a month and a half at best. I feel like spring is a little bit easier. We have a longer spring than we do have a fall. Everybody knows how long the summers are in Houston. Uh, about seven, eight months. And at least, there, though it, is, it doesn't get truly cold in Houston, there's at least enough sub-60 degree days to justify a full menu rollout. It just, most of the time, fall for Houstonians starts somewhere around, fuck, start somewhere around Halloween and end somewhere around Thanksgiving. And then by Thanksgiving, maybe mid-December, it's full winter. Every bit
1: of 3 weeks. Yeah,
0: it's it's <laughs> it's it's fucking hot garbage for the most part. Like, yeah, I mean, out, outside of a couple of cold snaps, it doesn't actually get below 75 for most of October and then yeah, now all of a sudden it's 60 degrees. So I feel like that's if you're if you're really gonna do a Houstonian menu, you should really just do a three-season menu, and that just call it a fucking day. So, what are you drinking? Ah, well, I now that
1: you drink. finished the uh, 19-year-old uh, Glenfiddich, that was a good shot.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a this is a house blend, actually. Um, For those of you purists out there, you heard that hey, this guy just shot. I did not just shoot it. I shot it over a series of Glamfidic four, four to five, 19. Four to five sips. Um, I am drinking a house blend of um, barrel aged 107 proof Weller Antique as well as Weller 12 that's been aged in what is that, a liter liter barrel
1: uh liter better
0: yeah yeah liter liter barrel uh, shittily shittily aged to to my immense satisfaction I've been I've been told um, there've been canoes that have been less leaky <laughs>
1: um, then uh That is a fact. I mean it, that thing leaked so fucking much and I just kept pouring the stuff back in it. And uh how is that uh poor man's pappy
0: It's not the worst thing I put in my mouth today. Well, there you go.
1: That's good enough. I'm
0: telling you. No, I it mean. is it is actually quite tasty.
1: Um So central theme of the menu. Ah, uh, yeah. Now we we talk seasons, we talk about the timeline, we're getting it done. Now, the, the central theme, what, what does that mean to you?
0: To me, um, more often than not, the restaurant and or bar will have a particular theme that they're trying to capture. Um, you wouldn't want to do a series of native cocktails or cocktails inspired, inspired by like the native fair of Jalisco when you're running an Italian restaurant. You don't wanna do, you know, six cocktails with sake when you're trying to push a Portuguese concept. Like it's just You wanna do all tiki in a steakhouse. I, I mean that's there's there's points to that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean there's way there's ways to do everything. But uh yeah, absolutely. Um you you wanna you wanna try and f f the the owner or the bar manager or whoever or
1: decision makers
0: yeah if people writing the checks are saying yeah. that there's a particular theme then you want to work within those brackets so in your best efforts so at my current establishment uh, of Emmeline, we're trying to push a very Italian forward um, Amaro and Grappa forward cocktail menu okay so Amaro a lot of people aren't
1: familiar with Amaro um in working with Amaro's Mm. uh
0: what is your take on it I mean technically at the broadest sense it's a bitter Italian aperitif the thing about Amaro's is they they have a huge spectrum as far as flavor and therefore they have a incredible amount of workability in cocktails
1: yeah because um I love working with Montenegro um Mm. it's pretty easy because it's got a lot of uh like uh baking spice and vanilla in it absolutely um chinar becomes a little bit more of a of a challenge um in when it comes to something that most people are gonna like because it has more bitterness um in, built into it bramazati I'd say is probably the easiest one because it's in the middle yeah it's got like it's sweet and it's kind of bitter and it's got a lot of spice to it and so
0: it's it's got a lot of character. I mean, it's it's definitely an incredibly workable uh, Amaro. Um, I mean, that's yeah
1: because it doesn't lean on either side too much.
0: Well, it's the same reason I mean, it's it's a little overplayed. But Campari, yeah, uh, Campari is just it's it's been a standard for decades for a reason. It's just that it's
1: yeah, but you and I know. Not all Campari's are made the same.
0: This is absolutely true. This is absolutely true. I have had the immense pleasure of finding that out myself.
1: Dude, that Campari
0: that you brought from uh, Jamaica. Belize. Belize. But it was made in Jamaica. So, a little bit of backstory. Uh, Went to Belize for a wedding and uh, could not believe how expensive most of the rum was there. I'd assume that it would be fairly cheap. What was exceedingly cheap was the Campari. Uh, After sampling it a few times and thinking that it must be, you know, the change of climate or the change of food, because this Campari was fucking ridiculous. uh, Yeah, it was fucking good. I decided to bring some back and do a taste test with uh, my folks at at Prohibition. And uh, come to find out, look at the back of the bottle, the Campari that I actually brought back from Belize was made by Ray and Nephew. And, uh, of course, most of the Campari that gets shipped in uh, to the United States is made in Italy.
1: No, the the amount of spice and the depth of flavor that it had was, without a doubt, distinctly different than the Campari that we we have here. Because the side-by-side that we did... I mean, Neither Campari was good, but then it was like, holy fuck,
0: this is now, delicious. This the worst
1: mistake you made was to bring half a bottle of it. Oh,
0: yeah, this is absolutely true. Well, I did not bring half a bottle. I brought <laughs> half a bottle to Prohibition. I definitely still have that bottle at my house. Uh, uh, you cheated us. And it's just getting better in that bottle. It's just you getting cheated better. Us. It's, just, it's just getting more Campari in that fucking bottle, too.
1: So then the 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 very broad spectrum of uh, Amaro is you have the uh, Aperitif uh, Amaro, which is your uh, Aperol and your Campari and your um what's the other one that is really fucking good?
0: Which one? What are you talking? About?
1: Uh Capinelli. capinelli This is another one that's is, is that citrusy bitter. Okay. One. It's really good.
0: I mean there's probably fucking there, dozens. There, there's a bunch of them, but the ones pattern. that we get here. Oh Nino no Nino is fucking delicious.
1: But the Nino is not an ap it's, it's, it's on the darker side of things, uh, just the I, same way as like you could say the same thing about Montenegro. Well, okay, but Montenegro, now we're about to have a discussion
0: about what makes an aperitif and what doesn't make. Well,
1: an aperitif. Uh, I, the aperitif to me are the ones that are citrusy.
0: I feel like no, because uh, myself and I believe you now this has been a long time since I listened to it, but a podcast with Sother Sother Teague, yeah, uh, did with Alton Brown. Uh, He was saying that the bitterness in a lot of Amaros uh, actually wets the appetite and increases it. And so a bitter Amaro will actually create the salivation that will allow you to enjoy the food later on. Really exemplifying the whole aperitif. I mean... That guy probably doesn't know anything. I mean, but, uh, I don't know about that guy. <laughs> that, he ran, that fucking rando uh, probably doesn't know a goddamn thing. But uh, <laughs> at least I think so.
1: Okay, so, all right. The, the thing that I agree with that is that it tends like the uh, the darker Amaros tend to have more sweetness, um, which I can see where as a digestivo because you're looking for that, that sweetness, sweeter uh, bitter mm-hmm. at the very end. Versus again for me is uh, the citrus bitter that is the uh, aperitivo versus the very sweet dark flavor, uh, bitter that is the uh, digestivo. Okay. Now, that's very broad. I don't know what the podcast was about. Uh, they may have been drunk by then. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I we're mean, pretty cl- we're pretty close to that right now.
0: I mean, my, my glass is empty, surely. I mean, but my uh, glass is empty, both of them.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, but I gotta- no, no, I, I I get that because there the, there are some. Again, and, and I hate to pick a I hate to just fucking give so much airplay to just the one, but uh, Montenegro to me it falls in the middle because it's not heavy. Um it is not light.
0: No, it's not cloying. It's not it's not cloingly sweet, it's not syrupy sweet, and it's, it's not definitely citrusy. not it's not bright, but I do get orange yeah. a lot of the time. So it, it does have some citrus, but it's it's not this bright citrus balm. That you might get in some. But I will fall back, and I hate to keep fucking pulling shit out of my ass, but there is another uh, author, or, or I guess I should say an author, uh, Charles H. Baker. It's um, A Gentleman's Companion. Uh, he, he wrote a cocktail book from uh, the 1930s. Don't worry about it. You'll look it up. I mean, uh, but he also uh, says that for a gentleman to avoid— What the fuck is a gentleman? A gen? well of course, you would be asking that. <laughs> uh, for for for, and any- a gentleman's
1: companion to me is a hooker. <laughs> this, this is
0: this is this is the open bar experience. <laughs> David Dacker in the open bar Taking experience. David in the open bar experience. Where a gentleman's t- companion is definitely a fucking lady of the night, and I got twenty dollars for you. <laughs> Soil doves, please apply uh, no that that sweeter cocktails should be kept dessert based cocktails that you would definitely not drink before a uh, before a, a heavy meal um, and that you instead enjoy you know a crisp glass of champagne possibly you know an agrroni or an Adonis or even a Manhattan Manha- a, a Or martini three to one yeah. Man, how do you like your martinis, by the way? 50-50. Really? Yeah. What kind of gin? Uh,
1: Mineral side. So like botanist, uh, the Gabriel Boudin uh, that's been running around lately. Bless you. The... Um, no,
0: I'm sorry. I, I actually have had boudin, but it's usually in Louisiana. I hate the stuff here in Texas. I, I love ridiculous. the stuff
1: here in Texas, man. No, I mean, is that right? It's, it's, pretty, it's too spicy now, in, in Louisiana. this is
0: the thing. I will enjoy a boudin kolache over at Shipley's. Now, they do make a hell of a boudin.
1: Well, the one that Scott H. made over at the, at the Conservatory was fucking off the hook.
0: Is that right? Yeah. You don't remember? He made that kolache with the boudin? That one. No, I do remember his his fried chicken sandwich that was just like stupid good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that no. was really good. No, he's a he's
1: actually a hell of a guy. actually that, that ten o'clock run that he used to make on Kalashis over at Pro uh. was one of my favorite things of my whole experience there. Shout out to Scott. Shout out to Scott.
0: Oh, what up speaking of gentlemen. That <laughs> might that guy that guy
1: that 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 guy i mean from tiki to 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 kolaches from tiki to bakery this guy's got it all i mean who the fuck are you man from kitchen to blender all right so that said uh we're going to take a quick break here because uh we're both empty on our uh libations at the same time i want to plug in if you've been listening this long to uh yoga for servers um this is Houston, Texas, over on uh, Richmond Avenue in a shopping center where Publito is. So if you're in the inner loop, you're gonna know what this is. And essentially, this is uh, someone who's industry who works in the industry that is a yoga instructor that has uh, developed a program that helps with uh, a lot of the, um, the stress that we our bodies deal with. So standing uh, being on your feet for a long time, calves, lower back, um, uh, from shaking uh, cocktails and whatnot, your uh, shoulder blades, um, definitely uh, check it out. Uh, Mantra's Yoga Co-op at 701 Richmond Avenue, uh, Suite 260. Now, everything here is said in good fun. So uh, he was talking about Sother Teague's, uh, the Speakeasy um, podcast. You can uh, grab a link and the uh, comment section for that. Uh, I think it's episode 174, talking about bitters that uh, he was mentioning. And so this is where things, uh, we took a break and we, uh, ended up having a few other drinks with, uh, my, uh, one of my, na- a couple of my neighbors, one of them being Lucas Provencio, which is, uh, bar manager over at, um, High End Dry in downtown Houston, 305 Main Street. And so, yeah, this is, uh, we had a little fun. Now,
0: Father, what do you think about? Uh... <laughs> I can't do it, man. No, you can. You can I do can't this. You you it. can confess all your sins. Boy. No, 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 this
1: fucking microphone.
0: Brother Lucas, please. Brother Lucas. <laughs> Brother Lucas, please tell Reverend John about the sins. <laughs> oh, your sins. <laughs> this so, is so, a this so, is a so, so so collarless reverend right now. By the way. Well, yeah. I, I was ordained in the Church of the Universal Life Church in the 1990s.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I started my flock back then. And the premise was it was I had these, this premise because I was uh, a minister and I could had the, uh, the privileges and the affordances of, of being able to marry people. Well, I would do short-term duration marriages. I was like, hey, let's get married for six hours. And on the, the marriage contract, it would say, like yeah, yeah, it actually was, but for high school, you know. So I started out Jesus. early. and it was, it was fun. It was Interesting. You know, it was back in the day when you'd ask a girl.
0: Well, you'd ask a girl, you're like,
1: Hey All Right everyone, thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and as much as we uh enjoyed putting it together, please make sure that uh you're taking care of yourself and each other. As always, Keep the conversation going.